a piece of wood, a blank slate with endless possibilities, with a little patience, a little time, and sharp tools and practiced hands, the wood becomes something more. It's marked with the vision of the artist. It becomes a reflection of something it could never have been on its own. After all, it's just a piece of wood. It knew nothing of art until it met the artist. It couldn't reflect his vision until it was marked by his hands. It loses a chip here and there. It's smoothed with sandpaper and files. It's stained to bring out the beauty of the artist's work. It takes on the reflection of something new. It has been marked by the artist's hands. Forevermore, it is a reflection of the artist's work. I am a child of God. I am marked by God's love. Good morning. Hope everybody's having a wonderful morning this morning. It's good to be here with you. My name is Philip. This is my first opportunity to be here and uh, to give a message to you here in green this morning. I'm excited. I'm excited to get to know you guys a little bit better. I'm excited for you guys to get to know me a little bit better. So uh, welcome to everybody this morning. Welcome to everybody here in green. Welcome to everybody uh, at home or uh, on the road on our online campus. Um, this is going to be a good time. I like to, uh, to laugh and have a good time. I know we don't know each other all that well, so I have to kind of give you fair warning this morning. Um, I like to teach with some fun jokes and laughter in there, and laughter is a good thing. It's okay, okay? When I first walked into college, I graduated from Davis oh, a few years ago, um, but I first went to Cedarville, and one of my, one of my uh, dorm mates looked at me, and he was like, I don't know if I'm going to like you, and just walked away. I was like... <laughs> Hi. <laughs> well, after about a week, he, he looked at me again, and he was like, okay, so when I first met you, I thought you were going to be one of the like, most serious, brooding, like, you know, philosophical, tough guy types, and you were the biggest goofball I have ever seen. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. So uh, hopefully that'll be all right, and like I said, it's okay to laugh, and uh, it will, we'll get used to each other. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. Um, I was the intern here at Berean up until a couple of weeks ago. I'm now officially the online and media director. Um, so you'll get to see me a little bit more, a little bit more for the next uh, six months or so at least, and uh, hopefully for a whole lot longer. While we're getting to know uh, each other better, I want to give you a couple of fun facts about me. First of all, I love music. Anybody else love music? Yeah, music, all right. I like music. I like just about any kind of music. Um, so if you guys like music too, we'll get along wonderfully. I was doing some research for this message and uh, came across the, a list of songs that hit number one. Okay, I want to give you guys this list, songs that hit number one. The Beatles once proclaimed that all you need is love. Okay. Beyonce and Jay-Z, they're crazy in love. Whitney Houston seems to shout how she will always love you. 
Uh, Lionel and Richie and Diana Ross sang Endless Love. That one hit number one. That's a fun thought, Endless Love. Not probably the way that they were trying to sing about it. Um, but God's love is endless, and we'll get to that. So just to speed this along a little bit, okay, here we go. There are number one songs that were all called Make You Feel My Love, Love Me Tender, Love Story, L-O-V-E, Same Love, Stupid Love, Savage Love, Higher Love, Crazy Love, My Love, Accidentally in Love, Love Me, Ordinary Love, Stubborn Love, True Love, Hard to Love, Give Me Love, Find Your Love, No Love, This Is Love, What Is Love, and finally just I Love You. And I drew a conclusion from this, a couple of them actually, but the first of which is our society is kind of obsessed with love, right? We've got all these songs, all these song titles. We're obsessed with love, but if you kind of examine the range of what all those songs were, we're not only obsessed with it, but we have no idea what it is. Here's another little interesting tidbit. I love books. I love to read books. I particularly like to write books. Is there any other uh, bibliophiles, people who love books out there? Book lovers? Less, less than music, huh? No? Yeah, a couple of hands. All right, some, some book, book lovers. Um, okay, feeling a little more on my own up here. It's all right. Now we'll get along. I'm not going to ask you if you like romance novels. You you brave few who uh, admit to like, writing books, because you know, I don't want to get too personal on our first date here, but uh, doing a little more research this week, I found out that to be classified as a romance novel, a book must have a central love story and an emotionally satisfying and optimistic ending. So I drew a few more conclusions here. The romance novel industry brings in over a billion dollars a year. Billion, with a, with a B sound billion dollars a year. And that says to me that our uh, culture's love obsession goes beyond music. It goes to books. And uh, uh, while the titles of these romance novels are, are I'm not even going to try, um, the numbers sold each year and the fact that these, novel, these novels have to have a, an emotional uplifting and optimistic ending tells us that we want to believe love is a good thing, even though still... We have no idea what it is. Our, our culture wants love. Love that ends happily. Right? Our neighbors want to be loved and to know how to love one another. We're obsessed with it as a culture. So today we're going to look at what love, love really is. Because in general, as cliche as it sounds, our culture is looking for love in all the wrong places. Let me invite you to grab your Bible, open your Bible app. Uh, we're going to be continuing our series in 1 John. Today we'll be in chapter 4. We're continuing our series on identity called I Am a Child of God. And this morning our, uh, our subtitle here is I Am Marked by God's Love. So 1 John chapter 4 this morning, picking up in verse 7. I want to read verses 7 to 21 this morning. And John writes this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected 
in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in his love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar, For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We are loved by God. That is an amazing and humbling thought. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, who made all things, all the stars, all the worlds, all the space, everything that he made, he looks through all of that, and he loves us. God sees you, and he knows you, and he loves you. Does everyone know that this morning? God loves you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you in our online campus, every individual one of you, yes, even you, and God loves me too. God loves each one of us. He knows us, and still he loves us. We must be pretty cool, right? We must be awesome. I mean, of everything he created, he loves us that much. Woo, we're great, right? No, has nothing to do with us. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're all very cool, right? You're all wonderful and nice, but, but God's love for us has nothing to do with us, okay? I want to give you three little mini points on this topic. And I know everybody's like gasping, right? When the preacher says he has mini points to go along with his actual points, everybody's like, oh, we got to cancel our lunch reservations. No, it's going to be good, okay? Mini point number one, God loved us first. It's been my experience that once a couple has decided that they're in their relationship for life, they both want to claim to be the one who says, and they felt that love first. You ever notice that? <coughs> Sorry. It becomes this weird little version of Name That Tune. You remember that show? <coughs> wow. Water bad. Okay. You remember the show Name That Tune? People be like, I can name that tune in, you know, five seconds. Couples play this game all the time with each other. And it's cute when you're playing it, but if you ever just heard people having this conversation, playing this, this game, it's a little nauseating, right? The first guy would be like, oh, I knew I loved you on our sixth date. And then the other party's all like, well, I knew I loved you on the third date. Well, now you gotta, you got to keep upping the ante, right? Well, I knew I loved you the moment I laid eyes on you. And then you turn around and say, well, I knew I loved you when I was 12, and I prayed for God to give me a soulmate one day 10 years before I ever met you. Beat that! We can't play that game with God, right? God definitely 
loved us first. Before we could know him, before we could see him, before we had any understanding of who God was, God loved us first. And he proved it when he sent his son here to save us. Okay? Mini point number two. God is love. John says it a couple of times. Verse 80 says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. That's pretty straightforward. If God is love, then of course he loved us first because how can we love God before we know him when he is love? Many point number three, in verse 19, John writes this, we love God because he first loved us. We couldn't possibly love him. And we'll go on to say that if we are going to love God, we are called to love each other. Because he loved us, he sent Christ here to die for us. Now, because of Christ's sacrifice, we can know God. We can begin to understand what love is. And we can love one another. So it may have sounded cliche a couple of minutes ago when I said the world is looking for love in all the wrong places, but think about it. We live in a culture obsessed with love, and yet the world pushes God out of everything, out of our schools, out of our businesses, out of the governments, out of our relationships with each other. We want love so badly, but we can't know it until we know God. So as the world pushes God away, love is getting further and further away from its grasp. God is love. And so a world that does not know God does not know true love, not the agape love that he shows to us. <clears throat> I'm going to use that word a few times here, agape. Anybody heard that word this morning? You know, it's something we use in church circles. You've probably heard it before, but it's not really an English word. So if we're going to talk about something like that, we should make sure we come to a, a common definition beforehand. When we talk about agape this morning, we're talking about a kind of love. In English, we only have one word for love, right? I would say, I love my parents. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I guess reluctantly, I will admit, I love my actual sister too. Of course I do. Of course I do. She's, she's not going to watch this. But if you're watching this, you know, I like you. I like you. When the context is obvious, you know what I mean when I say I love somebody. You know what I mean when I say I love my parents. And you know that's different than when I say I love my wife. And they're both different than when I say I love my kids or my brothers and sisters in Christ. See, in Greek, they have a couple of different words for love, and they use this word to break down the kind of love that they're talking about. I really think this could be a good policy in the future for the English language. You know, languages are developing all the time. I think we should add a few more words for love in there. It might, um, you know, it might avoid some misunderstandings, okay? Hypothetical situation, okay? This is completely hypothetical. So a young boy, maybe high school age or middle school age, who is totally not me, but might actually have been me, you know, kind of gets his hopes up because he's having a conversation with a, a similarly aged girl, and she says something like, oh, you're so great, I love you so much, you know, right? And he's kind of like, awesome. And, and, and if she had used a more precise word, she probably would have said, you know, oh, you're so great, I, I phileo you so much, which is a brotherly love meeting, right? And if we translated that into English, it would be like, oh, you're so great, I friend zone you. 
it causes a little less confusion that way, right? You'd be like, oh, right, now I'm on the same terms. I understand where you're coming from. That totally didn't happen. Um, anyway, back from that rabbit hole. Agape love is not that love. Agape love is the love of God. It comes from God. It's the love that God is. We refer to it as unconditional love, pure love. It's the type of love that, that gives itself for others. The type of love that, that goes to great lengths to meet the needs of others. The unconditional love of God. The kind of love that we could never deserve. And yet, it's the love that God shows us nonetheless. Here's how John wrote it in verse 9. He said, in this is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Do you want to know the greatest expression of love that this world has ever known? It's Jesus. When we didn't know God, when we couldn't know God, because God is love and he is holy and he is separated from sinful man, when we couldn't know him, still he loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this place to die on a cross to forgive us of our sins, allow us to have a relationship with God once again. It's easy sometimes to come to church and to hear somebody mention Christ or the cross and to really not stop and take the moment to understand how deep the Father's love is for us, that Jesus came here at all. The magnitude of God's agape love, that he would offer such a sacrifice on our behalf. This was not a whim, right? Sending Christ to the earth was not a whim. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost were not sitting around one Friday night watching heavenly Netflix and not finding anything good on when one of them was like, hey, maybe somebody ought to go down to earth and like, you know, deal with this whole sin issue that those pesky humans are having. This wasn't something God did just because. It was costly. Sending Jesus to earth was an act of love, a costly act of love, the greatest act of love there has ever been or will ever be. In his gospel, John wrote it this way, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I mean, that's not like, oh, I like you, brother, you're cool, I, I love you, right? It's not like I was getting myself a coffee out in the cafe and I brought you one, here you go, because I so love you. I mean, if you want to go get somebody a coffee, that's a nice gesture. But if you come in and present it as, I love you so much that I brought you this coffee, somebody better call you out on that. All right? That is, you got to spin that really hard to make that an I love you so much moment, right? That's love, sure. But that's not the kind of love that God had for us. God's sacrifice, Christ's coming here, his dying on the cross, his taking our sins and feeling the separation between father and son, that is the so love, agape love, outrageous 
agape love moment. God loves us to an extent we can never comprehend. We are loved, agape loved by God, unconditionally loved by God. If you know that this morning, can we just take a second and just hallelujah, praise him, awesome, we love you, God. Thank you for loving us. Can we do that? That went better this time. If we know that about God, if we know he loves us like that, let me ask you this question. What are we going to do with it? God loves us that much. What are we going to do with it? Does how I love others reflect the way God loves me? Ask yourself that. See, God doesn't love us even as his children. God doesn't love us so we can just sit around just as snug as a bug in a rug, like basking in the love of God, holding it to ourselves, just sitting there waiting for eternity someday while this world around us is obsessed with love and can't find it, while our brothers and sisters are sometimes sitting next to us in this room in a, in a chair, not a pew, but in a chair, needing that love from God through us. You see, the love of God changes us. It marks us. It makes us look different. It softens us to the people around us. The video that we saw before we came up here, in that video, a piece of wood was being carved into a shape. And when it comes to love, we are very much like that piece of wood. Before we know God, we are blank and empty. We are capable of love because we are made in God's image, but we can't know what love is. There's great potential in us to love. We're incredibly capable of it, but only when we are plugged into the source of true love, which is God. And the process of being loved by God changes us. Just like that piece of wood was changed, we get chipped away. The parts of us that we don't need are removed. Our, our rough edges sometimes are, are sanded down. Stain is applied so we can shine a little better in this direction or in that direction. And what happens is God reveals in us a picture of his love. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of God, we have an amazing father in heaven. We know that. He is constantly pouring his love into us. But he's doing that so that we can love one another. Look back at the passages we're studying today. How many times does John write that we should be loving one another? Verse 7, let us love one another, for love is from God. Verse 11, we also ought to love one another. Verse 16, God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God. 19, we love because he loved us. 20, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Verse 21, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Six times, six times in this passage, John directly says, love one another. If we love God, we will love one another. We all have areas of our lives that need a little work. 
We all have topics that spark passions in us, and sometimes those need to be controlled, reshaped, resurfaced. We have preferences that are near and dear to our hearts, and sometimes we have to let go of them to better reflect God's love to each other. God is lovingly pulling out just the right tools at just the right times to shape the love he has stamped upon us to the best possible reflection it can be here in this place to one another. You want to know what that looks like? Look at Jesus. Look at what he did while he was here. Not just the cross. Look at how he lived. If you look at Jesus, you'll see him cross barriers to reach out to people who are hurting. If you look at Jesus, you'll see him love the lost because they needed him so desperately. You'll see him make hard decisions to show love when it costs him dearly. Sometimes it cost him potential friends because he had to speak the truth to them and they couldn't follow him afterwards. Sometimes it tarnished his reputation with the religious leaders of the day because they also did not understand what the love of God was supposed to look like. I mean, think about it. He spent his entire earthly ministry being followed around by 12 guys who were constantly badgering him like, hey, what does that mean? Hey, hey, what do you mean by that? Um, you really want to go there? You really want to do this? Can I be the first one in line? Can I have this? Can I, can I do... Can I do that? I mean, I've never been followed around by 12 guys anyways, and I think if I was, I would run. But to have that kind of patience is to show love to his followers. And that's the kind of love that we should have, an enduring love, an unconditional love, a love that reaches across the aisles in that same way that God loves us. So we are to be a reflection of his love it is a sacrificial love. It is not self-serving. It doesn't ask what it's going to get in return. Jesus was constantly loving people who needed something from him and then walked away and never followed him or came back to him, but he met their needs because he loved them. I know sometimes it's hard to love our brothers and sisters it's hard to reach out to people who are not the same as us, even in this building, right? It's hard to reach out to people who think a little differently on politics, for example. It's hard to reach out to people who root for inferior sports teams. You know who you are. Not gonna, that's all I'm going to say on that. You know who you are. <laughs> but that's what we're called to do. And that's what we can do only because... God loves us first. Brothers, sisters, this is, a, this is a training ground for us. This is where loving each other is a little bit easier than it is out there because at least in here we all have the common bond of Jesus. This is our, our training space. But we are called to love each other and in other passages, too, we are called to love our neighbors that are not here, our neighbors that are out in the world so desperately longing for love. Practice that here. Practice that with each other. Love each other in here where it's just a little bit safer is practice for loving everyone else out there the way we're called to do so. Has anybody seen this, this uh, gesture before? 
right? This is, this is what I was trying to carve on that piece of wood. <laughs> have you seen this before? This has kind of become the new I love you, at least it's what I've seen since the pandemic started. My daughters, they'll do this, and it's their way of, of showing love through video chats, you know, through windows during quarantines. This is their way. They stand there like this. I love you. Love you, hands. Love you, hearts. You see, Jesus, when he stretched out his arms on that cross, he was saying this. He was saying, I love you. John's pretty clear that if we love God, we're going to reflect his love to others. When our brothers and sisters look at us, they should be seeing, I love you. When the world looks at us and how we relate to one another, when they look at us and see, well, how do these, these Christians really treat each other? When they, when they look to us, they want to know, do they know something about love? Do they see this? Do they see us going like this to each other? You know, do they see that? Or do they see us, you know, giving one of these? How could you do that? How could you think that? Do they see the, uh, I can't believe you, you still do that look? <sighs> really? Really, guys? Right? Do they see the, I'm just not having it? None of your nonsense. Come on. This is a meeting. We're supposed to be talking less and listening more. Come on. Teens, this one's for you. Right? Do they see the, <sighs> too cool for this? <sighs> Check my phone. You know, do other things. You just do your thing. Right? The world is supposed to see us love each other because God's love is so imprinted upon us that we can't help but have our natural reflection be here. I love you. Brothers and sisters, I love you. Sometimes we need a little practice with that, but that's what we're called to be. We're children of God. And if we're truly children of God as we claim to be, then the love of God will be etched into our very fibers. Our default shouldn't be any of those impatient things. It should be we love each other. We are to reflect the love of God just as freely as that love was given to us. The best we can, a replication of God's agape love towards us. A self-sacrificing love. A love that doesn't require anything in return. A love that goes to great lengths that we could actually say, I so love you. I want to do this for you. I want to help you with this. I want to, I want to stand beside you. I want to, to walk through this with you. I want to help you. We're to free, freely reflect God's love the same way he has put it upon us. Because we're children of God. As children of God, we are marked by his love. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father God, it is a humbling thing that we can say that you love us. It is an awesome responsibility to be loved by you and to allow that love to flow freely through us to one another. Father, let us submit to you when you pull out those tools, when you reshape us and resand us and polish us. Let us become a reflection of you 
as willingly and as wonderfully as you can make us, which is just awesome. Thank you for loving us this morning. Thank you for all you did for us. Let us love one another in that same way. Amen.